This is Nate Dodson, and you're tuning into And This Is Why, the podcast show. A show where we help you take your business to the next level. New episodes every week streaming on your favorite streaming platforms. Enjoy today's episodes. Just kind of focusing on kind of your childhood. Like before you were ever an entrepreneur, before you ever started food, before you ever became who you are. Yeah. Like, what was your motivation? Like, what were the thoughts that you had of like, this is what I'm going to do? I I don't think there was any, this is what I'm going to do. Actually, I was very lost in what I wanted to do. I was living more for the moment, right? I didn't, I didn't see people who had like great careers that are of color that didn't have stuff that were like, you know, athletes or actors and things that I didn't think I can do. And it wasn't that those people really didn't exist. Those people actually you didn't see them in the neighborhood because they were so busy going to work, running their businesses, right? Uh, even when, you know, um, even when they weren't running their businesses, they were taking night classes or educating themselves. So you never really saw those people because those people don't have idle time just sit around, you know what I mean? And if they're going to be someplace in a park hanging out, they're taking their children to do something. So I didn't really have a, a vision. I just really wanted, I think... I want to solve other people's problems, solving my problems as well. That's what entrepreneurship is. So I always came up with little ideas and things to do to make some money to hopefully get me some clothes so that I wouldn't have to have mom work that much harder because dad had left when I was 10. Mom was, you know, the only one there and I wanted, I never wanted to put that burden on her. So those are really the, 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 the driving forces of what I did as a kid, just really wanting to not be a burden to mom, get what I wanted as well. And I didn't have any direction though. And well, you didn't have direction, but it's not like you did different things. Like when you're kind of starting out, did you try a bunch of different millions? <laughs> yeah, I worked, you know, I worked, I started working at 10, handing out flyers for buildings. Then I was an apprentice electrician running BX cable and burn down building. Then I worked at the popcorn stand. I think I worked at Church's Fried Chicken. I worked at the, the place where they sell the big cookies. I worked at flea markets. I would put bicycle parts together and try to sell a bike. I would have a snow shoveling business. I would have a, uh, a leaf uh, raking business. I would have a van <laughs> transportation business. I would sell super soakers. Didn't matter. I'm selling it. I, I love it. What, like, how do you go from that of just I'm doing everything to now you start refining it down to, oh, I see the upside with clothing or kind of how did that path work? I mean, I think that's an excellent question that I've never been asked before. So, you know, when you're coming up and, the, you know, there's no, nobody teaches any of us white, black, or yellow. Nobody really teaches us financial intelligence and how to be an entrepreneur. Now, maybe. But back in, you know, in the late 70s, early 80s, an entrepreneur didn't have a great name. An entrepreneur was kind of like you know, the person that sets your house on fire and then comes to sell you a water hose and put it out, right? So, you know, even though uh, all of us have been bartering and trading since the beginning of time. But all those little things that I did, I didn't really doing because I had a passion necessarily to have a big business. Okay. I did because I thought I was solving a problem or I wanted to make some money. So I think that what happened was um, I had a van service and I was uh, about, about 16, 17 years old. I was driving the van, you know, and having people come on and off. I, in, in New York, we could do it like a bus. And I looked at the van. I said, well, you know what I can do? Or scenario, I, I need a car. And now I got people that I can make money off of just, you know, pay for this car that I wanted. I can sleep on it, sleep in it if I get homeless. You know, I can 
I'll pack it full of t-shirts and super soakers if I want to go to the flea market, right? So I just looked at it as a multi-purpose vehicle. But, you know, I was working for about um, four years on it, and I didn't have a life, and I got tired, and I wasn't excited about what I was doing. So it was really at that time when I decided to just become a waiter at Red Lobster. I was like, I don't take the job home with me. I net more than with the van because after I'm paying for all the expenses, and I just want to relax. Wait, did you say Red Lobster? Mm-hmm. He gets unlimited cheddar biscuits. Cheddar biscuits. <laughs> all day. All day. No <laughs> All day. But, you know, when I was working at Red Lobster, then I created food which was which was a combination of two things that i really loved hip-hop music and clothing mm-hmm. and that's what i was doing that for fun right making these shirts going on the video sets sharing them with friends and that's when i found my passion uh and that's when i knew where i wanted to be prior to that all the other stuff i did for money either i made it i wasn't happy or i lost it or i failed at it um and i i can tell people today you know I've never seen someone who doing things just for money become successful. They either end up in the wrong place often. They make the money and they blow it because it's just like I finally got it and there was no, you know, purpose behind it. So when I found football, I found I, I, I would have dressed people for free for the rest of my life if I could. So with FUBU and just like looking at you say purpose, yeah. purpose means so much. Yeah. Is it kind of a personal purpose or a global good for the world or just what do you mean by purpose? Well, first, first the purpose has to be, it always needs, you always need to be fulfilled for the purpose, whatever it is. So if not, then you're working on somebody else's dream, right? And you need to see the vision. So it's always personally. I never thought about it being a global brand. I never thought about about it being bigger than a boutique in Queens. So it started to grow into finding more purpose because, you know, when you have an idea and a concept and you put it out to the world, you don't know how it's going to be received. You can assume and, you know, but then it gets received in various different ways. A lot of people started to, I mean, the first areas that the first people that really bought FUBU was uh, uh, the kids in Japan and the skateboarding kids in Seattle, Washington. None of them were people of color. Yeah, it was the people in Japan, they bought a mail order, but it was those kids who would literally, and with no disrespect to African-Americans, they would tan their skin, wear Knicks jerseys and baseball hats, and they would break dance because they wanted to emulate the African-American kids in the Bronx. It would also be the skateboarders in uh, Seattle who had this kind of, let's rebel within the system. They were wearing public enemy shirts, you know, and, you know, and just, just fighting within the system. They loved African-American uh, kind of music as well. So when you come up with this idea, you don't know who's going to accept it and how, you know, and then you're like, oh, wow, this works here. Well, I didn't think of it like that, hmm. you know, so it grows. Interesting. So you were, did you consciously think I'm targeting the African-American community, but the reality is, is you found your audience someplace else? Yeah. I never thought of it as targeting the African-American community because I was targeting people who loved rap music. I was just in love with rap. So I used to dress Beastie Boys, I dressed LL Cool J, MC Surge, just and that, it didn't matter. Uh, was I addressing and um, was it powered off of uh, African-American um, art form created in the Bronx by primarily African-American males? Absolutely. But uh, you know, where hip hop is today, um, hip hop was my entire world and I, the way that people think of it today is a global brand and all that type of stuff. I thought of it back then that even though it was really in the Bronx, 
or in Manhattan, but that was as big as my world was. I didn't have a, I didn't have a cell phone or a smartphone. I just, I had four channels to look at on TV and a couple of newspapers to read. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, and I love it. So do you know, uh, Spice One? Her brother. Oh, is, is your brother Spice One? Yeah, the big brother. That's very cool. Yeah. That'd be, wow. Yeah. He was actually uh, just out here not long ago. Really? I think he's got a show coming up in a couple of weeks down in Dallas too. Nice. Not that. Yeah, but but you're right. You know, when you start listening to the hip hop music, it was localized. It was your neighborhood. It was your local rappers talking about the local issues that were happening yeah. around you. So it was real, um, kind of condensed. And so I I remember getting my first Fubu outfit. Yeah, you know, I thought I was real fly. No, I appreciate that. With the the big matching jeans with the jacket and yeah, the <laughs> denim. I still got pictures from that. Go to the mall and you know spend all day taking pictures. <laughs> that was yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> So, you know, I, I actually love the, the clothing industry and I kind of follow this little subreddit of like the startup clothing entrepreneurs. They're great in design, horrible at business. Yeah. They don't even bring it up. They don't communicate about it because they're just very creative. Yeah. What do you say to somebody that like they're, they're, you're literally God to some of these people. They've got the creativity but they really just don't know how to put it together with any business focus in it what would you tell somebody like that you know that's a good question um i mean i can't i can't i can't emphasize it enough that they have to learn the business you know and you know it, a business is hard enough if you know it if you don't know it where do you think you're gonna end up and you're gonna trust other people it's nobody else's job to run your business or raise your children it, it, it's your job you know so you can be as creative as you want. If you want to be creative, okay, give yourself away. It's fine. Just give it away. And you don't expect anything from it. You know what I mean? But if you want to run a business, uh, that's a business. And business is very simple. You increase sales or you reduce costs. That's it. And if you don't know how to do either one of those and manage the books and all those type of things, you want to get somebody else to do it, you at least need to know the basics of it. Because if you don't know the fundamentals of what uh, is happening behind the business, well, then if somebody great comes along while they may do some really amazing stuff and then they can threaten to leave and then you're held hostage or if somebody who sucks comes along you don't know they suck because you don't even know the basis of it so it's, it's just critical you know um it's, it's business when you started food but were you more creatively minded or business minded or did I you both it? you know i was more common sense minded meaning um, I can make this product. I know the, you know, I happen to live in Hollis Queens where a lot of music artists came out of. And I said, well, I don't have any money to advertise, but if I have 10 t-shirts, literally 10, but two years, if I go and put them on video sets and take them back, put them on video sets and take them back sooner or later, either I have something or not, people start asking for it. And then I got to then, then buy them. And then the, the businesses I knew at least maybe structure a little bit converting. I didn't have any financial intelligence though. So. So it was uh, something that would end up haunting me later on in my life and end up then, you know, becoming a great value because I almost went bankrupt twice when I was broke and once when I had 10 million in the bank. So learning from those mistakes ended up, uh, you know, teaching me all these things because I wanted to now learn and now I, I don't have those issues. But, you know, I, I was a little business, but a little creative slash common sense, but I needed to, I needed to bring it all together. Where did you find your financial learning, your financial intelligence? 
So I found it really from, you know, initially when I made the money, people call me, hey, you know, bankers and all that, hey, you know, let me give you some advice, you know, and I was the cocky kid who very rarely, uh, barely, excuse me, finished high school. I go, you ain't help me make this. You ain't that bright. Why are you calling me? You want to work for me? Well, then you ain't that bright, right? And not thinking, you know, that there are certain people that, uh, you know, technically understand what's going on and, they, and, the, and money's a tool to, to utilize, right? So what happened was after a couple of years of almost going bankrupt, instead of, uh, you know, going to my accountant saying, you know, here you go, I say, well, what exactly are you doing? And I realized at that point that, you know, um, accountants may not tell you what's going on because they think you know it already if you don't ask. You know, and a lot of people don't want to be vulnerable and say, you know what, actually, I don't know what that means. Especially when you have a lot of money, an ego comes with it. And you're like, nah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, Dave, you know you got to do this? Yeah, 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 whatever. Um, because you're not concentrating on the details. And I started to ask all my financial advisors, all my stockbroker, everybody exactly how things work. And I also asked, uh, and I went to seek out people who were very wealthy, who knew who I was, who did not need me. And I asked them, you know, what am I doing wrong? Is it possible that you can help me and give me information? What can I do for you? And those people would, you know, give me the insight. I love it. And now you're, you, I, I don't really understand. Did you, did you get hired on the Shark Tank or you, I know you were there from the very beginning. Mm. So how did that kind of come together? It's so left turn. Yeah. Well, no, I got, uh, I got called okay. to the Shark Tank's a format, a uh, Sony on, on format out of Japan. So it, it started off called Tigers Den in Japan. And there were like five businessmen or women in Japan right there on literally a table like this. And they would just straight up give you the money right there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and moved, you know, it changed, the format changed a little bit, became Dragon's Den, and then it was in London and then um, in Canada. Uh, and then they brought it to America. Um, they cast me, wanted me to come on the show because they knew that I knew. You got, you got to remember the people who, who most of the people want to start think they're self-made. Yep. Um, you know, they don't, they're not usually on public boards. Uh, they, they spending their own money and they have a very specific skill in Mark Cuban's tech, robbers, cyber crime, what Barbara real estate. I'm, you know, consumer products. So is uh Lori, Kevin, I don't even know what he does till today. Um, <laughs> And, and and they didn't want any celebrities or people of that nature. Nothing wrong with being a celebrity. But they felt that if you are a celebrity and you're out, you know, doing what you do best, um, you probably are licensing your IP or various other things. Right. Today's a little different. We're talking about what started in 07. So I went onto the show and I said, yeah, you know what? I'll do some investments because at that time it was 07, 08. I, um, I had 10 clothing companies and eight of them were dead because nobody's, buying another shirt when they can't pay their rent. And I want to diversify my portfolio. So I looked at it as when I go to a Macy's, instead of just having the young men's department, I want to take a real estate in plate wear, electronics, whatever. I'm only getting pitched clothing companies. Let me go on the show. I'll get it. Pitch some uh, other companies to take up different real estate. And that's why I went on the show. And you know, if, if you, somebody just starting out their business, their big goal is I want to be on Shark Tank. I, I want to do a, a deal with the gods. What would you tell somebody that's just kind of getting started and planning things out to really be attractive? Um, well, first of all, just getting started, uh, you know, invest in um, yourself time. You know, before you go and spend big money on, depends on 
various things around, you know, allocate two, four, seven, ten hours a week to studying the industry or what you want to do. Um, you know, then look at the fundamentals of business about setting up structure, you know, illegal. Put on the table all the assets that you have, what your version of OPM is, right? You want to always try to work with what you have, right? So uh, a lot of people will say what OPM is other people's money, but no, it could be other people's marketing, mind power, manpower, manufacturing, mentors, mistakes. And you look at that and say, well, what do I have? No, I have a I have a couple of friends who have big Instagram accounts and uh, they're women and um, they're mothers. So let me first go to them and see what they think about this product. What would they vote? And, you know, what do they think about it? Maybe they'll share it with their audience. I'll give them 50% or 100% of the profit off those goods because somebody will say, well, why do you give them 100%? Well, you can pay for focus groups or you can have a person who a person who is going to work harder for themselves and they work for you. Right. And they'll at least going to get out and give you proof of concept on why it works or not. So you got to do the things that are within your grasp. Remember, there's only two things you can control in life, right? The lens that you look at something through and the actions that you take. And if you go and say the opposite, what most people do, let me borrow a bunch of money. Oh, I got a great idea. And let me start figuring it out. Well, now you're paying way more for it. A lot of people are seeing you as a sucker. Maybe you didn't learn the industry and, and you don't even know that person's doing uh, a bad job. Not that the person's trying to steal from you. Uh, so they do it backwards normally. Uh, oh, I, have a, I have a question. So you, you, know, you started in FUBU and that became really big. What was it like, um, I guess, mentally and emotionally to pivot and go do something different? Because I know and nowadays, you know, we had COVID and people were stuck in their job. Yeah. Realized they didn't want to be in it anymore. And they want to change, but maybe they feel like they're stuck and just going into something different. Yeah. I, these are some questions. I don't think I've been asked these questions before. And that, that's a compliment to you because people ask me the same thing. So, um, again, it was being like a common sense thinker and, uh, and breaking down what I have or what are my assets. So, um, I didn't necessarily know that I wanted to go someplace else, but I knew that educating people on entrepreneurship was something I felt maybe that was my giving back and paying it forward to the blessings that I had. So I just started coming out with books and writing them. So Shark Tank wasn't anywhere in the, in the picture at that time. So right around 2001, 2002, right? And so now planes are crashing into buildings. People are starting to nest. They're not really buying clothes. They're not coming outside. Uh, I'm saying to myself, if I really do my analysis, a hot fashion brand lasts five to seven years. I'm not talking about the unicorns like Nike and Louis Vuitton. Now, why? Why is that? Well, a kid who has four years of FUBU in their closet for high school, when they go to college, they change their buying habits generally because they're a little bit older, they want to try something new, right? And I said to myself, if, if things go like 99% of the way they normally do, FUBU will slow down. So what am I going to do in regards to that? Well, I took inventory of myself. Am I a great designer? No. Putting a big old five on a bunch of football jerseys, it's not, it's not really a hard job. I've got to tell you that. <laughs> but I'm a great marketer. And I know a lot of these celebrities who came up earlier. So where are my assets? Well, I know the buyers. I have financing. Maybe I should go and acquire other brands and put them through my same pipeline. So I go and I acquire a brand called, I, I acquire Ted Baker. I license Ted Baker, Kappa. They don't work. I'm failing at all these brands because I don't understand how to talk to that 
okay. that that buyer, right? I never I never was into soccer. Now I'm trying to sell soccer jerseys, all right? But then I acquired a, a brand out of bankruptcy called Kuji that was a, a, a well-known brand from Biggie Smalls and certain people. And what I did was I realized that Kuji used to only sell these $700 or $800 expensive golf sweaters. That means that there was a whole community that couldn't touch that at, at a certain price point. So I started making jeans and t-shirts and stuff at $100. So Kuji starts to take off. But simultaneously, I'm trying to educate people with these books. And then I realized, well, then maybe I shouldn't acquire brands that I have to operate. What about there's a whole bunch of younger, smarter people coming up with new brands that need what I have? Well, let me go and, and, and start backing them. So I back Willie Esco, I back a bunch of other brands. Hence then comes Shark Tank, and we kind of touched on that. But that's what happened in the transition. It wasn't that I was going to clearly, uh, you know, uh, make that transition, but we know a buddy of ours called Ryan Dice. And even at this stage in my life, he has a 27-hour um, uh, digital marketing uh, curriculum. I'm taking that. And somebody will say, well, why are you taking that? I own digital marketing companies or have relationships a lot because I still want to keep educating myself. And that normally pays off for me later on when I'm ready to pivot because I notice I keep going in this area. I really like this. I really like this. All of a sudden, an opportunity presents itself and I move towards that area. I don't wait in a static and go, one day something's going to come around. I'm just going to hop to someplace else. You know? Got it. It's that, you know, work without faith, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, what words of encouragement would you give to somebody who's looking to make that shift, who's looking to pivot for maybe something that they just desperately trying to hold on to, but one, I try to go in a direction. Um, they got to be really disciplined in scheduling themselves in the time, you know, because generally we'll schedule everything else. You know, um, we'll schedule when somebody else wants us on a Zoom, a train, a plane, an automobile. We got to go to the kids' school, soccer. Um, you know, everybody's calling us on these things, interrupting our lives. We'll pick up the phone, but we generally don't schedule ourselves, right? Like we were talking previously about a vacation, date night with my wife, you know, um, working out, taking my, you know, I take my daughter, you know, I, I used to take my daughter on a date at 12 years old. And, and somebody would say, why? Because a guy taught me um, to take my daughter on a date at 12 because when she becomes 16 or 17 or 18 and she goes on a date with a guy the first time, how she doesn't know how he's supposed to treat her if she's never been on a date before. Right. So if I don't sit there and schedule these things, well, then I'll let everything else. So now if I want to go into whatever field it is, schedule one, two, three hours, whatever I want to do to concentrate on that field. I don't care whether it's looking at a book, looking on social media, going to a hospital and deal, you know, and working with the children or the people there because you want to start a charity. Just don't come up with the idea and think that you're just going to do it. You know what I mean? Nowadays, what does it look like for you? Like you're not or maybe you are operationally running any businesses, although you have your tentacles everywhere at this point. Yeah. Well, so I try to keep my staff under 50. Um, I am operating the business. The business is primarily the Damon John brand and, and it breaks out from everything from consulting and community to investing to education. Um, and, and that's what I do daily, you know? Um, so, you know, I, and I go where I am excited. And the day that I'm not excited about it, then I'll stop doing it. But I'm very excited about all the things I do. So it is possible to love what you do and have passion in what you do. Most people, I, well, I can't say most, most people I know, I guess, you know, you surround yourself with those type of people. Um, 
it is 100% possible. You know, I remember talking to my daughter one day when she was a younger girl and she was like 11 years old. She's a huge, um, you know, animal advocate. And she was like, Daddy, you know, um, I want to go and, you know, save animals and work at charitable organizations. And she said, I don't know if I'm going to make that much money. And maybe, the, you know, most charities I looked up, they kind of fail because, um, you know, they're not thinking about it as a business because they have so much passion and drive for what they're doing. And I said, well, honey, if you do it for 10 years and you've saved 100 or 10,000 animals from being euthanized, would you look at that as a loss? And she said, no, it'd be the greatest joy ever. So okay, well, then what are you waiting for? You know, so if you're doing something you love, you know, there's a couple of ways to look at it, right? You'll never work a day of your life. Or uh, even if you don't win financially, whatever the case is, you will still maybe lead with purpose, gratification. You know what I mean? Know that you challenge yourself. Know that you've changed somebody's life. Um, now, listen, I'm not trying to get warm and fuzzy. You still got to keep the lights on the house, too. So, <laughs> yeah, maybe you got to do something else, too. You know, listen, <laughs> we're talking about Red Lobster. I worked at Red Lobster uh, for five years while I did FUBU. I just slept three hours a day. That's it. I went to Red Lobster at 12, got home at 12, uh, sewed t-shirts up until 3 o'clock in the morning, got up at 6, answered all the calls that were on the, uh, whatever, on the voice, whatever it is, right? What were we called those days? <laughs> As in the scene? Uh, deliver calls from 8 to, uh, you know, to 11 in the morning, and I was back at Red Lobster, and I did that for five years straight. Um, that's what it was. Uh, you, you say that you're surrounded by people that have that passion and the love for life. Personally, I think that's like one of the key things for everybody. Yeah. But so many people get kind of stuck in that treadmill. Yeah. Breaking out of that can be tough. Um, do you have a, a, a secret for how to find that passion in life? Especially if you had a job. Well, I mean, you... you Really simple. Whatever you do for free, you can get paid for. And whatever you uh, buy, you can sell. So you have to, though, I think the three pillars to success is really, number one, knowing your why. Why are you doing it? I mean, nobody in the world can ever answer your why. I don't care if even it's your mother or your father. Uh, number two is then, you know, setting some goals maybe big maybe small reasonable to satisfy that why and number three is then you know acquiring the information doing your homework to accomplish the goals to satisfy your why the biggest problem is a lot of people lie about their why mm -hmm. um, they do it because of society or fear or their parents told them this is what success is or a boy or girl who broke their heart told them that they weren't shit because of something or another and they're doing the wrong why. So if you're doing the wrong why, then you're setting the wrong goals. You're setting the wrong goals, and then you're doing the wrong homework on the wrong goals. So I think you got to be brutally honest with yourself. And and that is sometimes something that people just don't want to do. You know, you want to do it because you want to be famous. Okay, I can't, I can't, you know, doubt you for that. You know, so. So I, I run crowdfunding lawyers. We're a law firm. We just help entrepreneurs get their startups yes. and businesses funded. Do you have any recommendation for kind of somebody that's just trying to get their business started, really kind of about doing things right from the get-go? Yeah, so, I mean, of course, this is your area of expertise. You can explain it further, but... Um, the fundamentals, they need to have all of the fundamentals in place of, for at least structure, right? You know, what is your IP? What is your company? 
you know, how are you filing taxes? Uh, they have to have taxing and accounting in order, right? You know, trademarks, whatever you need. And I know that you can do some of these things simultaneously. That is the most important aspect because, listen, even on Shark Tank, there's been three companies that have come on and they didn't really own their name. They had maybe a URL. And then they go on air, 10 million people see their product. Somebody sends them a cease and desist and they take all that traffic and they, they uh, and then they convert 500,000 people, wow. you know, that because you just didn't know what a trademark was because you decided to have an Instagram account underneath your name. That doesn't mean anything. So where do you get that information? Well, first of all, something called Google before you go to any person or law firm or legal or anybody else, just Google it first and Google that the first hit. The first hit's usually probably an advertisement that it could be a scam or somebody else. By the way, you ever see the you ever see the 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 all the sharks invested into this diet pill? Okay. You ever see that one? No, you never see that one? Oh, it's all over social media. We never did. But it's all and they use our names and likenesses oh, and we try to sue them all the time and uh, they just close the company and open up a new one. Um so that's as how seen on Shark Tank as seen on Shark Tank, why all the sharks invested in this one? And by the way, I will show you a picture later on. I mean, they show us half naked and Kevin has a six pack, which is probably you know, <laughs> the, the biggest lie. I mean, Barbara's legs look like Tina Turner. I mean, the 25 year old Tina Turner. It's like, if you believe that, then you've got a bigger problem in life, right? But um, yeah, so do your own homework and um, and really educate yourself. I mean, like, it, like, I can't emphasize it enough. It is your job, you know? And then you start creating the business. But how do you create a business? You create a community. You have, uh, you, you try to understand, you know, if something is viable. You know, so many entrepreneurs, a lot of the problems why a startup really fail in the first couple of years is actually the problem is overfunding. It's not the lack of money, it's overfunding. Hmm. You go get a $100,000 loan and now you got a $20,000 website instead of a $1,000 Facebook page. You signed a lease for seven years on a store instead of a kiosk for the weekend. Right, you watch too much Shark Tank, you heard your margin's gotta be 50%. So instead of buying 500 pieces, you bought 5,000 pieces because you had to have the margin. The pieces are crap because your rendition one come that crap. So now you have 5,000 pieces returned into your garage. And that's the bigger problem. You know, uh, we have been kind of convinced that you need to go hard and you know, do all this and go big. No, you don't. Take affordable steps, you know? I like that. Take affordable steps. Yeah. That's what, that's what true entrepreneurs do. They act, they learn, and then they repeat. Yeah. You know, uh, you've been, you've been very, very kind to me, both of you to support this, this book I have on financial intelligence, right? Um, now me being somebody who has a public stage, the book is called Little Damon Learns to Earn. I knew that I have a fairly good chance on making it to the New York Times bestseller list. Why? Well, because for six weeks, I can promote it with pre-orders, right? And, you know, you supported us and you gave it to the communities, and which, which I really appreciate. So week number one, fine. However, and that means me going, that means I'm going, wow, something here maybe. Because I can go on every news network. You know, but week number two, wait a minute. That's not six weeks of sale. That's just one week. It's pulling through. That means people are getting it. Week number three on the New York Times, white people are getting, now there's a different um, set of confidence to move forward with it. Because the first six weeks of bringing out, I'm like a talking head on TV, hey, this is why it's good, this is why it's good. But once you get the product out, 
and then a week they start it starts to move it still and you hear parents come back going let me tell you why i bought it let me tell you that you start to now it was it was an idea why it would work but after you get it out proof of concept then the talking points don't become you know assumptions right what's the saying you can make up your own opinions but you can't make up your own facts now it becomes a fact and now it becomes something right so it's on every level. People think it's just supposed to be because they don't have money and they're supposed to take affordable steps. No, I didn't set up licensing programs and all kind of crap because if the book only sold once and then they, you know, true business experts like us, after two months, they'd be like, well, uh, it's, it's sold once. That's called phantom. You know, that's a that's a phantom sale, right? Because yes, it, it's not selling. I don't want to do any business with you. It's craps. It doesn't work. But after all those other times, then you start to say, what can I do more with it? So it's the same thing, no matter what level you're at. I love it. So this book, which yeah, absolutely love it. The kids loved it. You know, it's kind of targeted to that 10 to 12, maybe eight to 12. No, no, five, five. five. I, you know, believe it or not, yeah, five to 12, five to 12. Uh, are we going to see the uh, next teenagers path to entrepreneurship? Uh, no, no, no. You know, I, I think when you start getting into the teenage years, there are a good amount of there's a lot of great authors out there first of all um this book is the only one that i have seen of its kind where it gives a little bit of money sense but more entrepreneurial for kids and um it starts at such an early age when you start getting those there's accounting you could take in 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 in, in certain schools and i think i want to just concentrate on a very niche market and, and that's always been and i think that brings up a bigger point that's always been my thing like to concentrate on one area so the way I got Pooh would be a global brand is I didn't know all the other things. I just concentrated on 18 to 35, primarily African-American males who would pay an average of 20% for better goods if they could. When I wanted to make products for ladies, I got a license because I got a person who understood ladies. Right, making a product for men and ladies two totally different. You would say, David, you know I make jeans. I know I make jeans for men. Do I look like not that not that everybody who makes things for ladies, but I personally think that the people that are in control of uh, making things should look like the people they serve or mentally be like the people they serve, right? So I license out for for, for to to a ladies company. I license out to boys, boots, bag, da, 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 so I can concentrate on when I concentrate. So now, even with little Damon, I'm going to concentrate on five to ten, five to twelve. If it grows into anything else, then I, then then I would license or come up with a partner who understands that because a 16 year old is communicating way different than a five year old. Oh yeah, we know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> understatement. <Yeah. laughs> uh, I mean, totally new new news. So. Do you feel like it's for you, you had a passion or an interest in this is my target and almost like I don't want to be the pro in these other areas, but I want to bring in the pros to do their pro job and I'm going to stick to my back? Yeah, but it was, it initially doesn't go off of me thinking that far ahead. Okay. All <laughs> I think about it, it you know, and, and that's the beautiful thing about some entrepreneurs, you know, you know a lot of people call certain people, a lot of people, these visionaries, they're not visionaries. You know, I look at a real true entrepreneur, somebody who wakes up every day and does the best thing they can do for their customer every day and wakes up again and does the 
best than they can do. They'll turn around and 15 years later, they're called a visionary or 20 or 30 years. Oh my God, I can't believe it. Henry Ford, you, Henry Ford just needed to start off with a tire or an engine or a cap or, I don't know, or a donkey. I don't know what you start off with, right? Because if you look at these companies who, who we think are visionaries, well, if you call, I don't know, Blockbuster, Blackberry, or Kodak right now, none of those visionaries are there, right? Because they had all the projections and all the data they needed. Somehow it wasn't executed properly. So all I cared about was I got a little girl. I didn't have financial intelligence when I was older. How can I connect with her over a book and give her some initial ways to have concepts on what money is, how it works, and how to utilize her surroundings to the best of her ability to bring joy to other people. That was it. I just did not want to keep telling my little girl that she got to drop a glass slipper one day and some prince is going to come save her. I wanted her to understand that she had the power to do it. And that was it. I didn't think about anybody else. But then I said, oh, wait a minute. All the parents like this. I want, you know what? I know they're probably having the same time, heart, or challenge that I'm having. I'm just going to, I have a public platform. Let me put it out to the world. And that's how it happened. It wasn't this big vision, you know? You, you almost make it sound or Yeah. I'm oh, sorry. No, I, I just, I try to jump in whenever I. It, please, whenever you know what? I'm just going to sit back here. Yeah, yeah. Pretty. It, it's all on her. It's, it's more mad. So, uh, so my question is, okay, you made it. You got, you got to the top of your business. How important is it for people to continue to invest in the actual operations of their business? Um... Well, it depends on what your vision is because another personal uh, decision is going to be, do you sell? Is it an exit? Is it a generational business? Do you want around two years, five years, 20 years? I mean, you know, the first thing, of course, is to try to invest enough to keep it going and ha and, and, and be secure enough to feel like the things that are fixable, you have fixed. And now, because we all know that business is ever-changing and even if you're running perfect today, tomorrow's covid that comes around or clogging of china or or new politics or you know people marching in the streets or whatever can affect your business so um you have to invest in those aspects but then after that the question is are you know are you going to try to sell you're going to try to bring in partners you're going to try to pull money out you know out of the business and you know that's very personal decisions for people from the climate that I get from people who are starting their own business or moving away from a business that they've already started, they've decided that, hey, you know, I really didn't have passion in this or the passion I had wasn't what I expected to be. Mm -hmm. And I want to go find that passion. It may not make me the money that I want to make, but I want to have, I want to be happier in what I'm doing. Yeah. As we're, you know, growing up, you know, we, we were told, you know, you go to college, you get a nine to five, mm -hmm. you get a 401k, and then you retire as early as you can. That's right. But, you know, like doing that day-to-day -day grind, it's, it's not, there's no, but no redeeming value in that sometimes. You get stuck on the, on the, um, the hamster wheel. Yeah. And so I know when I broke out, started doing my whole business, that was the, exactly the reason why. Because I, I wasn't finding that passion and join what I'm doing. So, you know, people, people are starting to realize there's more to it. Yeah. Just the passion and they'll cool better to talk to it about. No, a hundred percent. Um, you know, even sometimes people have a passion, but then they go like, I'll give you an example with FUBU, you know, I just am a person, I don't have ADD, ADHD, but you know, how many times I'm going to look at that FB or that O5? I mean, I wanted to kind of just do something else. Um, no matter what, I love FUBU. It was very good to me. Still is still today. 
Um, but sometimes, you know, you got to just really, you know, even though it could be against the popular, you know, you know, um, you know, thoughts on what you should do, you got to do it for yourself, you know, so. I love it. Thank you so much today. All right. Well, thanks for having me. Absolutely.